0: Episode 10 of Poem Life, Running Away I talked in the last podcast about how the plot of all romance, comic stories, and romance books is about a studly man who stalks a long-haired lady who resists him until she doesn't. Encountering this motif over and over again in my formative years, probably made some sort of impression on me in my waking life and also in my writing. But so did the other things I was reading, mainly novels written for teenage girls. Some of them stand out very strongly in my mind to this day. Two are by Marilyn Harris, a writer who was from Oklahoma. They are The Runaway's Diary and Hatter Fox. The others are The Peter Pan Bag by Lee Kingman, and from The Mixed-Up Files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler by E. L. Konigsberg. All four books are about teenage girls who run away from home. I had a secret desire through my teen years to run away from home. I actually had a little blue suitcase that I kept in the bottom of my closet with a change of clothes in it and other stuff that I don't remember. I was like a pregnant woman in her last weeks waiting for... The time to jettison. Why did I want to run away from home? I have no earthly idea. I had a home almost anyone would have loved to have. It's another adolescent growth thing. Don't have any drama in your life? Create some so you have something to rebel against. That's pretty much the case for the main character in the Peter Pan bag, whose name is Wendy. Wendy has a wonderful normal family, pretty much like mine, but man, they are just a drag. As she says in the book, I just want to go out and do, and also a few pages over, I just want to be me. So I was sitting here rereading this book, and it's pretty bad. Every character talks like no human being really talks. She asked her parents, Are you going to deny me the inherent right to find myself when they won't let her, a 17-year-old girl getting ready to go into her senior year of high school, spend the summer alone with a friend in a New York City apartment? So in the morning, she leaves with, quote, an old army rucksack and her loot, end quote. I'm not making this up. For years, I wanted a rucksack even though I had no clue what it was or where to get one. I was sure I needed one if I was going to run away, though. Chapter 1 ends with a reference to something connected to a memory 46 years old, still strong today, partly because I have the souvenir. In this book, the title comes from the main character being named Wendy, and she would play as a child with all her siblings, like they were Peter Pan and his lost boys in the fort in the family's backyard. And, of course, she was one of the the darling family, Wendy. There, Wendy wrote on a piece of paper that she tucked under the shingles of the little fort, I won't grow up. I swear it by the light of Tinkerbell and the shadow of Peter Pan. This book was published in 1970, and I read it when I was in junior high. And one day, my cousin Carla and I climbed on the roof of our house with a pink notepad and a needle or a pocket knife or something sharp, I don't remember what. We both wrote on pieces of paper the vow that I just read, and then we signed the paper and put our thumbprint and blood beneath it. We folded up the papers when the blood was dry, put them in an envelope, and stuck them under the roof tiles actually there are three little pieces of paper we wrote on i know this because they are sitting here on the desk in front of me right now i would often climb up on the roof and write poems and stick them under the tiles and during one of those times i found our little blood packed in the envelope and i removed it there are three faded pink pieces of paper inside a small envelope by three by four a weird little size, too small for a regular letter and too big for one of those gift cards for flowers. All three have writing that looks like it was done in red pencil. One paper says, I won't grow up, I swear it by the light of Tinkerbell and the shadow of Peter Pan. It is signed Sean with a W and dated 7 18, 74 So I would have been 12 years old. The other paper says the same thing and is signed by Cousin Carla. The third paper says at the top, Peter Pan Club, start 7 is a line under that. Then it says, I swear I will never say anything about our club. And under that to the right are two signature lines. And we have signed our full names there. And next to our names are these thumbprints which are not very full, but they're still clearly prints, are blood-packed. The three papers were folded twice and put in the white envelope. We didn't write anything on the envelope. It's stained and quite weathered, but it's still intact. I'm not sure how long it was actually under the tiles before I pulled it out. I have always loved old papers, postcards, photographs, notes, Ephemera, basically. Ephemerophile would be the word for me. When they belong to someone else, they are puzzles to decipher. When they belong to me, and they are 46 years old, like this one is, is, it's like a note to myself from the past. At 12, reading the Peter Pan bag, aware of the world around me, I knew that growing up would be a drag man. And now I'll be 58 in a few weeks, and it's too late to grow up now. Besides, I signed a pact, and I take my oaths seriously. In some ways, writing poetry all of my life has been a way to keep from growing up. It's true of any of the arts or any passion that you carry with you through your life. That passion helps you create and use your imagination and explore the world in a way that a child does and that we generally lose as we age. Maybe after I'm dead I'll be famous and they will need all of this stuff for a museum. Maybe one day when I'm not famous and still alive and crotchety and have nothing better to do, I will make a museum to myself with all this stuff in it anyway. Sounds like something I would do. The house where I put all these poems under the tiles is still standing at 10 Delaware Street in Locust Grove. I am sure the roof has been replaced many times since 1974. I imagine all my words of wisdom and youth just landed in the trash heap during the process. Or maybe a roofer or two got to delight in a little found poetry while he worked. Anyway, running away. What fun, huh? Early in that book, Wendy remembers some lines from an A.A. A. Milne poem. Last seen wandering vaguely, quite of her own accord. She went down to the end of the town, 40 shillings reward. Wendy hangs out on Chanel-covered futons and plays her lute and sings and gets appalled at how dirty her feet are in sandals. She meets some characters, including a crazy chick who tries to kill her, and then she goes back home, none the worse for wear. I'm not really sure if she found herself. The only reason she gives for running away is that she wants to find herself. She has absolutely no other reason, except, of course, like all teenagers, she doesn't think her parents understand or appreciate her. And not letting her stay with her friend all summer in the city is a total injustice. Injustice. That's the motivation for Claudia in from the mixed-up files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler. Now this is a good book unlike the peter pan bag claudia tells us on page two why she is running away claudia knew that it had to do with injustice she was the oldest child and the only girl and was subject to a lot of injustice perhaps it was because she had to both empty the dishwasher and set the table on the same night while her brothers got out of everything Now, of course, it was the very first paragraph of this book, which was published in 1973, that hooked me. And so I'm going to read that paragraph. Claudia knew that she could never pull off the old fashioned kind of running away. That is, running away in the heat of anger with a knapsack on her back. She didn't like discomfort. Even picnics were untidy and inconvenient all those insects and the sun melting the icing on the cupcakes. Therefore, she decided that her leaving home would not be just running from somewhere, but would be running to somewhere, to a large place, a comfortable place, an indoor place, and preferably a beautiful place. And that's why she decided upon the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City oh, if only I could have run away to such a place of course I probably would have chosen the New York City library instead side note I uh, that little those lines from that poem by A.A. A. Milne uh, reminded me that the original stuffed animals for that were the uh, inspiration for Winnie the Pooh, are in the child's area in the basement of the New York City Library. They're worth a see. Toward the end of the book, when Claudia's brother, Jamie, who went with her, tells her they need to go home because she accomplished what she wanted in running away, she says, I want to go back different. I, Claudia Kincaid, want to be different when I go back. At the end of the book, Mrs. Frankweiler shares a secret that does make Claudia feel different. Mrs. Frankweiler says, Of course, secrets make a difference. That was why planning the runway had been such fun. It was a secret. And hiding in the museum had been a secret. But they weren't permanent. They had to come to an end. So this secret enables Claudia to return home happy. I love this description of happiness that's in the book. Quote, happiness is excitement that has found a settling down place, but there is always a little corner that keeps flapping around. End quote. I also quite like this comeback that Mrs. Frankweiler has when Claudia tells her she should learn one new thing every day. Quote, No, I don't agree with that. I think you should learn, of course, and some days you must learn a great deal. But you should also have days when you allow what is already in you to swell up inside of you until it touches everything and you can feel it inside you. If you never take time out to let that happen, then you just accumulate facts and they began to rattle around inside of you. You can make noise with them, but never really feel anything with them. It's hollow. End quote. This description is one of the things that poetry has allowed me in my life. I was an active girl and teenager, involved in several sports, bike riding, doing all kinds of outdoor things with friends. But I had a totally separate life from that also that was very secretive and solitary in which I wrote poetry where I was mewling over the things that had swelled up inside me. I have also never been a big talker and am usually repelled by people who spend all the time they should be letting things rattle around inside them, talk instead. As an adult, I wrote a series of poems about Tam Lynn, the Scottish myth. In it, Janet runs away to see Tam Lynn in the woods. But she also runs away simply because she has to get away from people and their talk. Here's the poem. It's called Gab. Gab, gab, gab. Tidbits form trails behind me. She said... Is so ever-present the cook keeps jars of it to spice the soup. When I first ran, it was to get away from, Well, I heard. And she is so. And he is so. It was not because of the rose's scent jamming my nostrils. It was not even the longing for him. Although it is true, he was a respite from... Can't believe her dress. Yet he, too, talked so much. I kissed him with lips chapped and sore from chin stubble. I suppose it was a small price to pay, and I did love him. Yet I was always tender with the bruises from nothing said. One of the other books about runaways that I read in junior high is the runaways diary published in 1971 by Marilyn Harris this is one I read repeatedly there are scenes from it that have stayed in my memory for decades when I went to look for a copy of this book I found it was out of print and pricey I did wind up finally getting a beat-up paperback copy for 20 bucks The imagery I remember from this book is mainly in the scenes where the main character, 15-year-old Cat, is camping in the woods by a creek after she has run away. This is how I envisioned running away would work. I would find a cool little place to hide out and live my little life, far from the batting crowd, or far from parents at least. Rereading this book, I find there's nothing particularly earth-shattering about it, but I can see what the appeal of the diary format and the details of the girl's life would have on me as a 12, 12-year-old. Cat runs away because her parents yell at each other. She has some fairly unremarkable adventures on the road, but she does think about Emily Dickinson. She writes in her diary, She knew as much as any man writer I've ever read, but she's the quietest of them all. You just sit there reading along, maybe no more than 25 or 30 words, and then BAM! About 10 minutes later, it really hits you across the top of the head, like the whole roof has fallen in, like in those 25 or 30 words she'd said more than most writers say in 25 or 30 pages. Uh, then later in the book, Kat, Kat says the following again about Emily Dickinson. I think I'll write some poetry when I get to where I'm going. I left all my poems at home, hidden. I hide almost everything. I know she looks for what I hide. I used to come home and my drawers would be a mess, and she'd say she'd been cleaning, but I knew she was looking for stuff that she could yell about she wasn't always like that just lately thoreau wouldn't care for this place it really stinks more like a sewer than a dump or both left emily dickinson at home wish now i'd brought her quote, if summer were an axiom what sorcery had snow End quote. if life one long happy summer we should be without the mysterious truths we learned from our winter of suffering. See what I mean about the roof just falling in on your head. She knew everything. She knew. I wrote a good poem once. Bennett read it and said it was very good. I burned it in the bathroom. She thought I'd been smoking. She yelled. So that poem that cat. Is quoting from in the book is number 16 by Emily and it's sometimes titled the skies can't keep their secret because that's the first line in the poem but here's that entire poem the skies can't keep their secret they tell it to the hills the hills just tell the orchards and they the daffodils a bird by chance that goes that way soft overhears the whole if i should bribe the little bird who knows but she would tell i think i won't however it's finer not to know if summer wore an axiom what sorcery had snow so keep your secret father i would not if i could know what the sapphire fellows do In your new-fashioned world. The cat reveals with a poem that it's life's mysteries and secrets that keep us going. We yearn for those things when we move from childhood into teenage life. We refuse to explain ourselves and couldn't do it anyway. We don't have the words and we don't want the words. What is life without mystery? That's the big appeal of running away. You're running into the mystery, living a secret life, running away from the everyday chores of doing the dishes and conversation at the dinner table, etc. Now that is, this is what running away is like for those who really have no need to run away. The fourth book I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast is Hatter Fox, published in 1973, and it's similar to the other three in that the main character runs away, This book and The Runaway's Diary were both written by Marilyn Harris. Hatter is an abused Navajo teenager just trying to make her way in the world and is thwarted at every turn. She runs away out of survival mode to escape abuse from the foster home she grows up in. She encounters more abuse in the missions and the jails and treatment centers she ends up in. She does finally get help from a young doctor, And things start looking up when she's run over by a car and dies at the end of the novel. Also, a cat in The Runaways' Diary is run over by a car and dies at the end of that book. I don't remember being pissed at Marilyn Harris for ending both of her books this way, but I should have been. Of course, in the poems I wrote about girls running away from home, they ended up dead too. I was a teenage poet after all, and the tragic was the world I dealt in. Here is a poem that is one of the last ones in that little booklet of poems I described in the last podcast. It's a long one, typed on two pieces of paper. It is not good, and it is kind of embarrassing, but I'm going to read it anyway. It's called Fairy Tale. There was a dream about a girl who was young and pretty, and everyone loved her, and she loved everyone. Each day she would bring sunshine to someone's life. But then all of once she changed. She developed a tense feeling in her stomach and she got sick. And she became very depressed. Her parents thought it was just a phase when she threw all her old dolls away. And when anybody came to her house and they had a baby, she'd always excuse herself to go to her room and listen to the radio. Every day she grew farther away from reality. People became little black dots in her black-and-white vision world. Her boyfriend gave her a teddy bear for her birthday, and she threw up on it. One morning, her mother heard her in the bathroom. She made a doctor's appointment, and the next day, the girl was gone. No one had ever told her that four-leaf clovers aren't always in every field, that bicycles can't get mad at you when you forget them in the rain, that the reason people sleep with their eyes closed is because the whiteness might alarm those who stand in the darkness and wait for them to weaken. An old man was plowing his field and he found a dirty teddy bear that had an eye missing. He got back on his tractor and only rode a few more yards when he found a girl. She'd been dead a long time. But her hand was drawn tight in a fist. The men in white coats came and forced her fingers open. They gave the plastic disc to her mother. She sewed it on the teddy bear. Then she placed the bear on the floor in the middle of the girl's empty room. So, I've been talking about growing up and running away. They seem like conflicting topics, but they are the same. In the books I read in junior high, the runaways attempted to grow up by running away. Two ended up dead. Two returned unscathed and perhaps a bit more grown up. The point is, the struggle is real, at least emotionally so, for a young girl like me who had nothing to run away from. The running away motif was an artifice just as the never-grow-up one was. Both were ways of rebelling from the status quo. And I am suspicious of any teenager who never feels the need to rebel. If a teenager doesn't have an outlet for that rebellion, mine was writing poetry, then he or she may actually run away, even if there is no real need to do so. I empathize with the teens who run away out of survival mode, and I find the real and fictional stories of such fascinating. Yet, I can't know those feelings or their depths of despair. I'd like to end this podcast with a better poem, the one I just read that I wrote. So, here's another poem from that Tam Lin cycle that I wrote uh, years ago. In this one, Janet puts down her sewing, that's her known world, in order to escape to the forest and the unknown. However, you cannot simply set aside everything you are in order to escape. You take it with you. This poem is called Preparation. The sewing needle rests next to my eighth vertebrate. I cannot feel it, but know it is there. The thread circles my kidneys like amber capillaries. A sloping row of real pearl buttons, tiny full moons, bump into my small intestine. Silk blocks wrap the ligaments of my arms, as if my bones are on fire and must be bandaged by something cool. A piece of lace crumpled into a triangle lines my womb. All that I am, all of my tools and notions, I have swallowed and absorbed. I now leave their world. I open the door to the night and drink my thimbles before I run out.